Welcome to the Augusta Golf Show podcast. Now, here's John Patrick. Well, this will be Jim Nance's 38th Masters on his way to 51. <clears throat> it's a pleasure to welcome my friend Jim Nance back to the Augusta Golf Show. How are you, my friend? You know, anytime I'm talking to you, it's, uh, it's a good day. So, JP, thank you for the math on that. When you said it, I've never heard anyone quite say it that way. 38 on, on his way to 51, Lord willing. But that sounds awfully close. You know, that doesn't sound that far away. So let's uh, let's slow down time if we can a little bit so I can savor every single second of it. Well, let me let me ask you about that a little bit. You're on a lot of shows like this, and they seem to always ask you about the Masters and your relationship with the with the club. Do you find it hard, and you love words, do you find it hard, Jim, to accurately describe and put into words your feeling for that place and this tournament? I do. I, I, I'm always searching for the perfect description, the right adjective. I feel like I've used them all. Um, but it runs so deep in my heart, JP, just that my love for the tournament, for the event, for the club, the way that this tournament is conducted and what it stands for in golf. Uh, I, I guess I've been grappling with uh, trying to contextualize this since I was a since of my early broadcasting days, or even before that, when I had this crazy dream of wanting to work for CBS, um, primarily because CBS and its presentation of the Masters tournament just it struck me. It meant so much to me, and uh, yeah, I I don't know. I'm I'm open to any suggestions. If you have a few words you want to pass <laughs> along and share, please. You know how to find me. Uh, you know this is this is inside baseball, but but maybe the the listener will understand. Are there still are there still remnants of Frank Trakinian in the broadcast? Oh, I there are first and foremost because I'm still a part of those broadcasts, and Frank will always be a part of my universe. I carry him with me. He is always guiding me. I hear his voice in my head to this day. And he spent a lot of time on a young broadcaster trying to mold him. He said this to me, to others. He wanted to mold and sculpt uh, this young kid and try to make him into what he felt was was a golf anchor man. And it, it's it's how can I how can I ever let go of that? Uh, he's deep in my heart. So he's been gone since March of 2011. For those not familiar, Augusta resident, almost 40-year producer and director of CBS Golf, and, of course, brought the Masters to life on television. So I got to know Frank um, starting in 1986. So you know, I got 25 years with him. That, 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 that's years, not all of which he was working with CBS. He'd already retired. But we stayed in very close contact, and um, oh, he's uh, he's with me every show. Not just golf; mm. I still hear him trying to coach me through. Um, everybody thinks that you just kind of roll out of bed and you go broadcast these sporting events, and you don't have anything in front of you. Don't prepare; just kind of watch a game like the viewer does at home. Is it is is the experience all that different? Well, it is. I mean, you prepare you. You spend time thinking it through and talking to people and 
and trying to be able to handle situations more than just the winning putt or the shot at the buzzer or the great call that people these days seem to be so carried away with is boiling down a broadcast to a three or four second clip. You know, there's much more nuance to that throughout the body of an entire show. And I can say Frank Trickinian coached me right through, you know, every facet of it. So, um, you know, I miss him a ton. And Lance Barrow is his predecessor. It was in the chair for so many years and he definitely was a Trickinian disciple. And, um, Lance is a great friend and a profound influence on on my career. And then, of course, it was handed off from Lance to Sellers Shy, who's now the producer. And Sellers actually was a runner hmm. back in the day when Frank was still working through '96. So he even has Trickinian, um ties to his career. So it's it's all very much there. We're talking with Jim Nance here on the Augusta Golf Show. Let me ask you a couple of golf questions. You think Scotty can defend? I don't. I, you could never say no. I mean, based on the way he's played, his recent performances, um, starting with his win at the Players Championship, he he certainly is a guy that doesn't get caught up in and and too many high expectations from others or what others are saying about him. He's He's got the right attitude. He is so focused on things. Wonderful guy. Great credit to uh, to the game and being a Masters champion is very fitting. Uh, there's something about him that he he can block out all the noise and all the things that people are forecasting for him. He just goes about it. And when he's on, he's pretty unstoppable. We saw it a year ago. He came in to Augusta as the hottest player in the world. There were people picking him to win that week. Some people would say, uh, I've had my I've had my run. It's got to run out at some point. Maybe it's not my week. Maybe I spent all my good fortune on one of these other tournaments. Uh, he just kept on going. And he went right through last year's Masters field and won the green jacket. I don't see why he, he couldn't do it again. What a, I know we love our history around here. We love seeing it made on Sunday. What about what about Rory's chances in the Grand Slam? I think better than ever, JP, because he has shouldered so much of the uh, being out front. Um, I guess you could even call it a burden of trying to be, be the voice behind the PGA Tour during these combative times with Live Golf, and it's a lot to it's a lot to handle, and he has he has taken that responsibility as a leader. And he's gone out and played some of his best golf. I mean, what he did at the end of last summer, as this thing was really at its peak, and the tour was trying to figure out ways to to tweak its product, uh, I don't know how he did it, but he was on one of the great runs of his life. So I think that, weirdly, that sets him up to take on again all of the the heaping of of media scrutiny and questioning about is this the year because this is the important last leg of the career grand slam for those who don't know and he, he i think there have been years where it's just so much talk about it that it almost gets talked out of it not him but just it just someone's like bad karma coming into all these masters tournaments last year of course he closed fast and shot 64 hold a bunker shot on the 72nd hole finished second 
uh, even though it was at the time a distant second to mm-hmm. Scotty. Um, I I have a very good feeling about this year for Rory. I kind of think I kind of think this is the year. I really do. Um, that's good to hear. I, I, I earlier this week I solicited from the listeners of my morning show. Uh, to ask a couple of questions because I've run out of questions to ask you. Uh, And and you know how this can go. Not well sometimes. But I thought this was interesting. Tell me what, Courtney, tell me what your wife would say is the most interesting thing about you. Well, I I hope she would say that she thinks I'm a great dad and, you know, would think that, you know, I find the time through all my my travels and my traveling is in the 40 week plus category away from home and how I'm able to juggle football, the NFL that is, college basketball, which I'm just completing my last NCAA basketball tournament after 37 years. And of course, a steady golf schedule and still have time to be at home for baseball practices, gymnastics practices for my little Finley, and really focus when I'm present, compartmentalizing, spending my time on what's in front of me, being present. I think she would say that, and that would mean the most to me. When I'm doing something, I give it my all in that moment, and I'm really good at focusing on what's happening right now and that's what kids need being a dad is the greatest joy in the world you know everybody knows that being a parent and sometimes i mean it really hurts to walk out the door and know you're not going to see your kids for another week or 10 days or three days whatever it is all the travel now for me is more difficult yeah because i miss the time being at home and being with my children but i think that's the the road um that, that she would take that, that, uh, you know, I, I give it my all to be the best dad in the world. All right. Speaking of dads, you've served it right up for me. You're a storyteller. Okay. You're a storyteller. I want to let you go with this. Tell the story of 92 Fred winning the masters and, yeah. and your dad. Well, Fred, of course, won the masters that year, April 12th, 1992. And my dad was at the Masters, and of course, he had known Fred since we were freshmen at the University of Houston. So it was like watching an extended member of the family win the green jacket. And he was out there marching along with him. And that night, after after he won, there was an event at the club, as you know, JP, the champion toast. It's a quick dinner at the club with the membership. So. Fred, uh, after he did all of his media, this is long after Butler Cabin and the Green Jacket ceremony. Uh, you know, he he went through all of the special moments that a champion is 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 given on 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 that Sunday night, and then he he came by, he came back to his house. We had dropped by to see him, and it was a small gathering there of really his closest friends, Lynn and Tammy Roach his longtime manager, their family to Fred, um, Paul Marchand, uh, his teacher and, and his wife, Judy. Paul was a brother to both of us. Paul was on the Houston golf team a few years older, but he was there. John Bracken, uh, his 
boyhood friend from Seattle. And anyway, we waited our champion, our our guy, to come back to the house, and he walked in. He was wearing the green jacket, and you know we were all just giddy beyond belief. And he saw my dad, and he said, uh, "Mr. Nance." He said, why don't you try this on first? And he took off the jacket. It was way too small for my dad, who was a big, strong guy. Not overweight or anything, but just a big, uh, you know, stronger, the old football player build. And he, he was the first to try to squeeze into the green jacket. <laughs> it was one of the sweetest moments of my life is that day. And that moment uh, is a big part of it. I, uh, I love that story. Jimmy, I cherish the, our relationship. Thank you for taking the time to do this. I, I look forward. Well, to- it always feels like the Masters when I get a chance to visit with you. It, you know me so well, and I'm grateful for that, that you know all the things that are important in my career and in my life. And uh, that means a ton, JP. I'll see you under the big tree. It's yeah. what we always, we always say, and it's what we always do. I will see you. Thank you, Jim. Thanks, pal.